When have you sabotaged yourself? I remember in a few engineering classes I took in high school, there were projects that were simple, and then there were some that seemed like a foreign language to me. I self-sabotaged myself with some of the projects not believing that I could do them. I don't recommend this, but often in our class as a community, we would share our work with each other so that we could get by in class. We all self-sabotaged ourselves because we thought we couldn't do the work. We thought we needed to take from someone else versus taking the time to actually learn something. I remember working with a CNC machine, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically um, at the at the groundwork. It's it's like a, 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 a an engraving machine, if you will. So it's basically something that you can like put words into stone or words into wood and um it's like one of the things that that it does so um our school was fortunate enough to have a cnc machine and one of our projects in the engineering classes was to to put our initials in that marble block coding it to to do that thing and so um for me it was awesome because i actually took the time to to learn and not self-sabotage myself thinking because this is a pretty big deal or a pretty big project um not believing because of that i couldn't do it and so it felt good to actually learn and know what was happening in the process of creating my initials into this block and also it boosted my confidence to think i could actually do this and i could actually um, you know, understand what's going on in the class versus just bumming off someone else to, to, to give me what, what I needed. And so um, I could have believed that I wasn't good enough or smart enough, but what I actually found out was that I could do it as long as I did the work. And I think we sabotage ourselves a lot. I think it also happens in our spiritual lives a lot as well. We think, how could God love me with my past? Or I see that person's faith over there, and I don't match up, so I won't even try. And so today we are continuing um, in our series uh, Haggai by looking at the first uh, part of chapter 2. This is like the second, if you will, like prophecy that Haggai gives to the Israelites who were struggling. The temple that they had begun rebuilding, like we saw in week 1, didn't really look like the way it used to. The way that like in Solomon's time, Solomon's temple was beautiful and amazing, and they didn't see that from what they had, had made. But God saw it as progress which is why he Haggai urges them in this oracle to not give up. Don't give up. Instead of self-sabotaging ourselves, we're going to see how to push through those mental barriers by looking at three promises that God gives the Israelites. So this is what Scripture says in Haggai 2, 1 through 9. In the seventh month of the uh, 21st day of the month, The word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory." 
says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. The people had stopped rebuilding the temple. They are caught in the trap of thinking about the good old days of how beautiful the temple of Solomon was. And for us, it's easy to think about the good old days when things in our life were thriving um, and, and, and where, where we were. We remember how passionate we were for Jesus. For you, it could be that church week, um, like camp week or mission trip, where everything changed for you in your relationship with Jesus. And all you've wanted for a while is to feel that closeness again. For you, it could be that you loved how strong you were in your faith in high school, but since you stepped into college, you'd question, by the way you live, do I actually follow Jesus? Maybe for you, there are struggles or addictions that have plagued your life, and now you want to go to the time before any of it was a problem. The challenge for you might be seeing someone who seems like they have a special handshake with Jesus because they're so close to him, and we wish we could be like that, but we're not, and it causes us to give up hope because we don't think that we can get there. All these things leave us withdrawing from the building project that Jesus has called us to be a part of. We may leave the job site sometimes. So for you today, I have this question. What causes you to draw back from the building project that Jesus wants you to be a part of? The good news is God is saying to you, don't give up. Be strong. And today I want to give you three promises that God gives you when you want to give up. God is with you. It's what he's always promised through scripture, and he promises it now. It's what he made part of his covenant to the Israelites when Moses led them out of slavery in Egypt. His spirit remains with us, so we need not fear. The same has happened with Jesus. Some scripture that would have been prophesied to the Israelites by Isaiah points to Jesus, and he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 7.14 Mary was pregnant with Jesus and also engaged with Joseph. We all know that in this day it was a big no-no um, as, as like a cultural thing to, to have been like pregnant before being married. So Joseph had looked to actually break the marriage off peacefully until an angel appeared to him and said, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. <laughs> Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's Matthew 1, 22 through 23. Emmanuel literally means God with us. Jesus was God with us in the flesh. Why do you need not to fear? Because God with us walked this earth before us, came to bring redemption and restoration to the world, and took the sins of the world on himself by willingly going to the cross and then giving us the Holy Spirit to actually dwell within us. God with us is literally inside of us every moment of every day. All we have to do is humbly go before him and pray to him and ask for wisdom and strength. Give God what you got and he will bless it. The Israelites struggled like, like we all do and wanted to create this beautiful splendor of a temple and instead they made a shack. But you know what? God tells them that he will fill it with his glory and whether it's a shack or what the temple is today, which is his people, um, he tells them to bless it. He tells them to build. He tells us to build from where we're at today as, as his temple. And, you know, just as like scripture talking about his people being the temple today, this is what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So if we're temple and God is with us, what do we need to fear? Absolutely nothing. We pick up where we are and take our next step closer to him. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is that you can't draw near to God in your current state. It's crafty, and it gets us to think we need to clean up ourselves before we can grow closer to Jesus, but Jesus wants to be in that battle with you, so don't give up, because Jesus is right there and so badly wants to be by your side showing you the way. Follow him because he is with you. And the question to like dwell on and maybe to, to press pause on this with, um, because this is being more of like a podcast uh, teaching, what is causing you to believe Jesus isn't with you? Take some time to think about that. What is causing you to believe Jesus isn't with you? So the second promise that we see um, in this about God calling us to not give up is that his glory fills you. The temple God talks about is the temple that you are part of now. He fills you with his love and grace. In verses 6 and 7, we read about God shaking the nations, the earth, oceans, and dry land. When that happens, it often leads to God's justice, to make right what has been wrong. In the Israelites' case, God's chosen people, all things would be restored. Many believe that this prophecy was fulfilled by Jesus. If that's the case, which it is, then we are filled with God's glory as the temple, and now are the people who have God living inside of them. God owns the gold and silver as the creator of them and can do whatever he wants with them. But the splendor of God's majesty that he wants to see, we get to experience is humanity living out their calling to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation which boils down to loving God and loving others. Love God, love others. When we're filled with God's glory, it should lead us to being a people who put on display the gospel that has truly transformed who we are. So while the Israelites had ceased building and had started falling away, God was encouraging them first that he was with them. But also one day God would use this temple and the people would would uh, be greater than the previous temple is because Jesus is that temple. And as a part of the people of God, we get to be as well. Often we dwell in comparison. It's not what it once was, but God wants us to, to pick ourselves back up and look to the f- future to be a part of it now, but also look forward to the day when Jesus comes back to finish the restoration and make all things new, and the earth will be transformed and given new life so that we will live in our restored bodies. Let his glory fill your whole being and watch what he calls you to do as a part of his building project. And so here's the next question for us to think about, and it's actually two questions. Why do we refuse to let God fill our hearts? And what would happen if you said yes to letting God rule your life? So the third promise is that God grants peace within you. The Father promises that his peace will come. It's in you now, and he desires to refresh your soul. God wants you to experience shalom, which is wholeness, completeness. And we've talked about it often on this semester, but as a reminder, it's an inner completeness and tranquility. Everything is the way it's supposed to be. As a promise, God says that in this new place, the Israelites and us today, we will receive peace. Where is that peace found? Jesus. And I love what author Micah Fry's, Fry's 
writes about this in verse 9. Jesus is the greater temple, and God was using the rebuilding of the temple and the hope contained within it to point to Jesus and the peace he would bring. In fact, he specifically describes this as shalom in the text, which means peace. His promised presence would bring them peace, although only temporarily. No, it is not final, but there is one coming who can provide lasting and complete peace. This verse declares that Jesus is coming. While walking this earth, these Israelites would have peace, but one day their peace would become lasting and complete through Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. How can we know that Jesus is this great, greater temple? It's actually simple because he tells us in John, Jesus gets upset at seeing people make the temple a marketplace. So he flips tables and chases out the people from the marketplace. And some religious leaders look at Jesus and ask him what in the world he was doing and if God gave him authority to do this and that that if he did, then they, they need a miraculous sign to prove it. And so Jesus says this in John 19, and then we're going to look at verses 21 through 22 as well. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And then in verse 21, but when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, and his disciples remembered later on that he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. So Jesus declares that his body is the temple, which means he is the the temple. Jesus would go one day to die, and the temple was destroyed. But on the third day, Jesus, the temple, was raised to new life and better life. The same is so with us when we give our lives over to him and live in the peace that changes everything. Jesus is this new peace place that we all find peace. What would change in your life if you let the Prince of Peace flow through you? I think we would pick up where we left off with what we have and start where we left off in being a part of God's building project. What I think it looks like is that the Bible we used to read daily, that we would pick it up again and experience refreshment. While it's been a while since we've had a prayer time, we start again by praying at meals and in the car, on the way to school or work or on our morning walks to class. And I think that even though we used to serve people who are oppressed due to homelessness or low income, we would seek out where the opportunity has arisen to serve around us. And through this rebuilding, not giving up, it'll change things. People on campus will notice. Other clubs and organizations who we wouldn't think would notice are actually interacting with the church, which leads to the lives changed. This all happens when we let Jesus change everything, when we let the God of peace run through us, and it's amazing what he'll do through you. And so the question that I have to end on um, with Haggai 2 and this thing of like, don't give up, is the same question that I want to end on from like week one. What does God want to do through you? What does God want to do through you? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this message. Thank you that you call us to not give up, um, that you give us peace, that that you fill your glory, or yeah, fill your glory in us. And God, I just thank you just for your promises that, that remain true to, even to this day. I thank you, God, that you are with us. I pray, Jesus, that we never lose sight of that and that we trust that your spirit is within us every moment of every day, giving us hope giving us peace and filling us with with your glory. And so thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. And I pray that we wouldn't give up on what you're calling us to do. And it's your name we pray. Amen.